his computer. Sweet. Awesome. Okay. Uh, welcome to Pat Life Podcast. Uh, I'm Patrick. And today with us, we have an awesome special guest, uh, Tom Barnett. Uh, it is an honor to have him on the show. And um, I'm going to let him talk. Uh, I'm not going to give too much introduction on my end. I want him to have the floor. So Tom, welcome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I know you've been doing a lot of talks these days about, um, you know, law, viruses, all those things. Beautiful. Love everything about it. Um, but, you know, with today's society and everything that we're talking about, getting people finding their own path and getting a foothold in this world, um, a lot of it starts obviously with self um, and as a personal trainer and someone as a coach yourself, I can imagine you spend a lot of time with these people one on one. So I I'd like to know how you got started in the uh, the fitness industry or as a holistic coach like how did that journey begin for you yeah well i was um so i played national level tennis when i was a junior and also i was a runner as well and then when i got into my early teens i kind of was very rebellious about a lot of things and also the pressure that was on me to compete uh in tennis at that time i just kind of didn't didn't deal with it very well and i went really off the rails right. uh, for a number of reasons it wasn't just that and then when i was a teenager going through low self-esteem and things, I, I fit in because I could make people laugh in that. And one of the things that I thought would be funny would be to see how fat I could get. So when I was 15, I weighed like 83 kilos, which is as heavy as I got when I was training in powerlifting and didn't have any fat on me. And I was, when I was 15, I had I was like 83 kilos. And then I started to get some health issues. Like I, I had pains and stuff in my guts and whatever else. And I was like, okay, that's enough of that. So then I got back into sport and then I got into kickboxing and martial arts, uh, swimming, triathlons. I was always surfing, but, um, but what I found is because I'm not a genetically gifted athlete. I'm not one of those people that can just do a whole bunch of wrong stuff. Like Usain Bolt can wake up and eat six chicken nuggets and then set a world record. You know, yeah. he's a phenomenal athlete, but he's also genetically gifted. Like no one else can do that. So um, I'm not genetically gifted. So what I found was that there are a lot of things that you can do wrong. There's a lot of things that you can do that will mean that will lead to injuries. And there's a lot of things you can do that will lead to overtraining and not recovering properly and uh, issues with the nervous system, the GI tract, your neurology, um, a lot of different things. And so what I found was that through my fascination with the body, you know, I studied exercise science and physiology and medicine and a lot of biology, all that sort of stuff. And while it had a certain aspect of carryover, the greater degree just didn't really, wasn't really there. Um, having said that, the science behind strength and conditioning is very sound. That's what Eastern Bloc coaches have used for a long time for their weightlifters and their runners and things and Americans for their athletes like wrestlers. It's like there's a lot of good science. But, um, but when it comes to what doesn't fit that particular mold, then you're out on your own. Right. And so it wasn't until I came across Paul Check's work where I learned about the holistic aspect of being a human being. So the fitness aspect is there, but it has to come with the balance of a number of different aspects in the body alone. You have to address length tension relationships before you can get to a high level of athleticism or else you're looking for injury. And if you're not balanced mentally and emotionally, your physical balance will be out as well and spiritually. So then that opened up a whole new world of that holistic aspect. And that's really where I took that on from sort of mid mid twenties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and all, all the things you're saying are just ringing so true um, in the things that I see. And I can imagine when you have uh, clients come in, they 
they want to train or they want to feel or look like those Olympic athletes or those uh, yeah. people that you see all the time. And so I guess going into that now, how do you, how do you approach that as, uh, as when they're consulting with you? How do you kind of yeah. get them in that mind space of like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point. Cause some people go, they've watched a bunch of CrossFit and that they come in and they go, Hey, can you teach me how to do power snatches? And I'm like, have you seen the shape of your upper back? <laughs> You're not doing yeah. power snatches. Yeah. You know, um, and so what, what it comes down to is what I learned from Paul is establishing, first of all, a dream. So what is that client's dream? What is it they want to achieve with their life and what are they using their body for? And then that helps us determine a relevant program. So obviously it's not going to go straight into deadlifting, you know, right. record amounts or, uh, you know, Olympic lifts because they require a lot of technique, but they also require a lot of structural integrity that just some people just aren't born with. You can fight your way through things, but unless the structure is really good, like I don't have a good, I did Olympic lifting, but I don't have a good structure for it. And mm -hmm. that's why I didn't last long. <laughs> so uh, it's, um, I still do it, but just not under really heavy loads because it's very functional. So what I do with people to kind of answer your question is that um, we look at what they might want to do, but we look at who they are and how they can see it's disappointing if they can't run all together or you know do a clean and jerk or whatever but if they can do it but just to their body's capabilities then they're working within their capacity and then that's fine so we essentially always need to find through an assessment and that's where a lot of people go wrong i think in the fitness industry is they think that they've got the world's best program and they try to apply it to everybody without doing an assessment first like range of motion assessment stability assessment um you know speed of uh, reaction assessment things like that because that determines whether or not someone can stand on a Swiss ball or if that's going to break their hip or can they get a bar overhead or is that going to dislocate a shoulder or, right. you know, that kind of thing. So we need to assess people before we can determine what they're capable of or what's good for them. But also my personal thing is that I need to find out what makes them joyful and buzz. Like, do they want to do something because it's like, it's almost like a punishment. I want to punish my body yeah. or, is it, hey, I really want to do this because I would just, that would make my heart sing to be able to run that distance or to be able to get on rollerblades and rollerblade. I would, that would be so joyful. Not, I'm going to do this so I can get abs so I can finally look good. And, you know, it's like a hate, it's a hate thing. Dude, I, so I am 100% with you. And, and so I used to work with a, a big fitness company for uh, many years and we do a lot of assessments. And what was so interesting is, is when they would come into the room and we would talk, um, you know, doing it for so long and being a people person. Um, I also do film as well. So I have that background of, you know, so very comfortable talking to people. And what was interesting is, is I was noticing, you know, oh, this is what I want. And you can just, you know, you're like, that's not really what it is that you want. I hear what you're saying, but you and I both know. And as you dig and you really get to know, you start to see those different pieces and the patterns and everything that they're really striving for but you see it's like that i want that oh i gotta just do it compared to the the rollerblading or something that seems so um from anyone else it's just like oh okay great but for them it's like that's stupid or that's dumb and it's like but no that's what you want and that opens so many more doors to those maybe the things that you say that you want but you don't really mean so i i 100 understand what you're saying there yeah. and uh, yeah. well they I might want it they might want it, but it's like they don't understand what part of themselves is driving that want. 
And that's okay. kind of like, like I've literally had, because I used to do a lot of martial arts, I've had people come in to train to fight. And then halfway through the training program, they've decided they don't want to fight anymore because they actually realized and addressed the reason that they were fighting. And as they addressed it, they're like, oh, I don't feel the need to fight anymore. So the program changed to just general strength and conditioning as opposed to training to fight. And that's where, um, that's where a lot of self, you know, the self-realization can come in. I 100% I agree with you. And, and actually, more I want to talk to you today is also going into that deeper um, spiritual level, because I believe through my own journey um, in the fit, fitness world specifically, that is a big component, unless you're in yoga or uh, like, was it Krav Maga? How do you say it? Sorry. Krav Maga. Thank martial you. arts. Yeah. So in martial arts, other than that, but yoga, like that spiritual aspect, I feel gets lost. And, you know, as I work with people with barbells, kettlebells, cables, battle ropes, all that stuff for years, you lose that bit of the spirituality. And what I mean by that is digging into that self, as you said, finding those pieces. So I, I have some stuff I'd love to run by you as we keep going. But, um, but when you say uh, helping people figure out what it is that they're really going for, what are signs that you're looking for? How do you, is it just more of let's just talk, let's just do uh, reconnect, or are you visually seeing things that are getting brought to the surface from your point of view? Yeah, a bit of both. I tend not to want to sit and analyze them or let them analyze themselves. I like to see what's happening through the way they approach what they're doing. So mm -hmm. we might set up some kettlebells and then we'll go through a bit of a kettlebell workout and I'll look at the way they're approaching it. Like how are they approaching their rest periods and how are they like eyeing off that kettlebell ready for the next set and how are they how are they present in their body while they're doing the movement? Are they very self-analytical and they're stifling their movement because they're not in a flow with their, uh, their physicality, but their, you know, their, their move, just their movement in general. And I look at what's resisting and what's not. And maybe that's a skill people need to learn if they don't have that already. But I think most of us have that anyway, to the point where on the flipping the coin, when you're, if you're a new trainer, for example, and you've learned all your materials and it's from a book, and then you're really looking at your client through the book. You got like a book in the way of you and the client. Yeah. So like you're reading the book and not the client, like they're doing this and this is how you do that. And you're not really reading it. But once you've learned stuff, like I haven't gone through all of Paul's uh, courses at all, but I know from people that have that at the end of it, he just basically says, forget everything that you've learned. Like you spent 30 grand going through my courses and that, but forget everything you've learned. Now it's just you and the client. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm reading the, the individual and then what it is that they're expressing. And then through that, um, well, to put it another way, do you know who Bill Burr is? He's uh, a comedian. I love Bill Burr. Love yeah, him. So, so he goes through that bit where he's saying, I think I figured out how to raise a kid. And he's just like, you don't sit him down and go, oh, you're learning about drugs. If you're learning about sex yeah. and it's like, you're freaking me out. Go away. Yeah. He says, you just play catch with him. And then while you're playing catch with him, you're just talking about stuff. So I don't like sit them down and analyze them. I like, as we're, um, as we're lifting or moving or whatever, or stretching, it's like things just come out and they'll tell you stuff while they're, they're like distracted kind of, or they're not self-conscious. They're like not being analyzed. It's just a flow. And then things come out a lot. And you probably found Patrick being a trainer that half the time, especially if you've worked in a gym before and you're like, they're warming up on the treadmill or the bike, half of it's therapy session. They're just yeah. like telling you about all their shit. And you're like, <laughs> totally dude, I, I'm with you 100%. Before we get into that, I do have to go back to the Bill Burr. That is my favorite bit of his. 
Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a father. My son's uh, just a little over one. So when yeah. when actually when my uh, my fiance was pregnant, I went to a club here. I live near New York. So and he was there and he was do he just showed up. So I was like, this is the perfect gift. I was like, do the bit. He didn't like that. Um, but anyway, so yeah. But going back to the the conversation, uh, is you and I agree with you. It, it's so interesting. Um, when you get told, uh, you know, hey, you're, you're cheaper than my therapist and all these things. And that for me, you hear time and time again, and it rings true. And I'm like, why are this, why is this person saying this? And there's obviously the rapport, there's a trust that's happening. But what's also interesting, and, and maybe you can agree with this, is when you put somebody in a place of stress, you're bringing out all these emotions, just being under stress, right? Is, you know, and we use words that we don't even realize we're saying, like, for example, when you give, you just lash out because the stress builds up and you go, that wasn't me. That wasn't me who just did that, right? You know, or, you know, um, sorry, I get a little crazy when I'm stressed out. Like all these, like this, like almost this duality of self, right? And so what's interesting is, is with therapists, you know, you're sitting down, they're trying to bring these emotions where with training, you're putting people under a stress, you're creating, a process of you know uh, you can call it an alchemical process whatever you want to call it but you're you're changing somebody's internal being and when doing so right you're bringing things to the surface like i can't say how many times i've had clients tell me like f you i'm so angry at you because i've pushed them right and it's like i didn't mean that you know so i do think it's interesting when you talk about um the therapy aspect and them feeling comfortable and things kind of happening organically um, you start to really experience like, oh, I'm, I'm bringing something out of this person. Now it's our job to pay attention to it. Let them say, hey, you know, you, you're getting really fidgety, right? Before we do this move, why are you getting fidgety? Oh, I didn't even realize I was doing it. All right, let's, you know, let's breathe for a sec. Like you said, let's focus on how we're going to approach going into this thing, approach coming out of it, see if it has any change in how we did, you know, do the move or how we feel before and after. Would you agree to some of that or understand it yeah for sure sense. yeah yeah absolutely the awareness is bringing the awareness to everything and also using the next whatever you're doing to transmute that energy so that energy can be transmuted through the next movement that you're doing or through whatever it is that you do next uh, also finding 10 points of tension in the body can help when they become aware of a certain aspect of resistance fidgeting uh tightness mm. whatever and notice where it is in the body because that's um, yeah, all, all emotions hold in a tissue or organ. So you can find out where my anger might be being held on. Tight yeah. abdominals are really common, tight hip flexors, tight shoulders. Some of that's got definitely to do with modern life on computers and phones and stuff like necks and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a posture that is driven by your uh, emotional state. Like if somebody's angry and just down like this, they're always hunched over. It's like, Mm -hmm. that pulls down and it pulls everything down and forward and it closes the body off as opposed to somebody that's relaxed and confident things they naturally just sit back more they're open right. and so you can kind of really get an idea of where people are at and to help to move through those as well as a result absolutely and what's what's funny about that even is i've even had I had this amazing conversation and i don't remember the person i had it with but they said you know we we do talk about this slouch and you see a lot of rock climbers, for example, who might have that slouch, but then when they go move, they have this freedom yeah. or you see dancers. And I've trained a lot of dancers where they're like this and yes, they can move, but they also have some of 
the most injuries that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, yeah. so even to your point, I, I agree with you hundred percent, but it is interesting when you start to see like, well, wait a minute, you would be considered, and this is for people who are listening, who maybe don't have a trainer. It's like the, the, how something might look doesn't necessarily always equate to that. That's the ideal, right? As you said, it's the emotional aspect. It's where the, the tension's being held. What, um, you know, and then what, what issues, anger, sadness, depression, you know, so those do pay, play a bigger role than just, oh, this looks good. Therefore it's good. Mm. Do you, do you, would you agree with that or? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And um, yeah, like for example, just to take, you know, there's the, oh, the six pack, that's like what so many people want and they'll put so much work and effort into that and create so many imbalances that they can create back issues and mm-hmm. uh, gut issues and everything else based on, uh, based on wanting a particular physical look. Uh, and then because they've never addressed the, what was driving that, it just, that's what leads to a lot of imbalances, um, a lot of, uh, unhappiness and, um, yeah, it's just, it's really funny the dynamic that can exist between all of these things. And that's what got the most interesting to me over time was it became less about how much somebody could squat, for example, which was my initial interest to like what's driving all that and then just finding the much bigger picture. So um, that's, yeah, I think I went off topic, but that's kind of what became most interesting to me. <laughs> Dude, don't even worry. I, I, I enjoy it just being free flowing. If anyone who do, who does know me, I will rant and go for hours. So I, I'm all for it. Um, a lot of good stuff comes from it. Um, but to bring it back in, this is the one thing, and I just saw it on your shirt, one of your shirts in one of your videos, it said flow. Yeah. Just can you just explain what flow is from your yeah. from your point of view? To me, it's that not being in the head. It's being completely embodied in the body. So it's it's tapping into the flow of life and nature and and your own energy, which which is constantly in flux and is constantly moving. And what we do is we stifle that constant movement and flow with our thinking, judging, and criticizing mind, which we start learning from a young age. Uh, the force of creativity that essentially made us only knows how to create. It doesn't know that it can't do something or that it shouldn't, or it's not good enough, or it would suck if it did it. It doesn't know any of that. It only knows how to do it. It's in constant flow. Then as we're a kid, we start to learn, oh no, that's wrong. You went outside the line. No, no, that's the wrong color. No, no, you smudge that. You know, you start to learn, oh damn, I'm shit. Or maybe if I shouldn't try anymore, maybe I'm not worthy of doing that because I feel like I can't do that. I'm supposed to be doing dishes or something. So then we learn to think, judge and criticize with the mind. And that's like a dam. It like dams that creativity and that flow that is always wants to be in that state. So that shirt that I made, the just flow is like a reminder to always uh, to move beyond that to not judge and think and criticize so much and to be more in the body and feeling things as opposed to thinking things and to, and where that can lead you, because it generally, I've, I mean, I'd say hundred percent of the time it's, it leads to something that's great <laughs> in yeah. some way. It's I, like touching that, touching um, the divine. If you're in that flow. I absolutely. And, and to just dig a little deeper when you're with your clients, how do you, approach that in getting them to understand the just flow mindset and basically coaching them to that place. Mm-hmm. So some of it starts with if they're too off 
not centered at all, I'll do some centering exercises. I'll do them. I'll get them to do breathing squats or something that's more unifying a body and mind before we go and do the, an exercise where they're putting too much thought, because I find that it genuinely is really important to get people to focus on form because the average client is not a Usain Bolt. They're coming in with so many imbalances that they, and uh, poor core function and poor stability and joints that they really have to focus deeply on just the alignment and the posture before they can go into complex movements. If you're doing it in the right way, <laughs> you yeah. know, you're looking after them. And then, um, so then, yeah, they do get very in the head. So then that's out of that flow state. So what I'll do is I'll either center them beforehand or I'll only do that for two minutes at a time. Then I'll break them out and we'll do something fun. We'll play, we'll be a bit more playful. So we get into more of a play state, which is much closer to the flow state to help them get out of their head, back into their body and just feeling me, feeling themselves, not thinking at all. And then we'll go back into another, uh, something that's more analytical and you have to concentrate heavily on. Having said that, concentration is actually really in that element of flow too. Because when you're really heavily focused on just one thing, then time doesn't exist. That's when you're like, well, we've been doing this for 10 minutes. Where'd that go? Or it feels, you know, it's like, uh, it just feels there's no limits to it. When you're in that flow state, there's no time, there's no space. There's um, only everything just is smooth and easy. So you can get to that through focused concentration and you can get to that through just free form play. So it's kind of like there are two ways I've found that you can get people to that point. I, I love it, man. And, uh, you know, to, to further talk um, in regards to the everyday person, and that everyone's a Usain Bolt. I, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is based off even just your conversation that you posted the other day with Mark um, and the other gentleman was talking about no matter what you're trying to do, whether it's uh, the law stuff, it's just your relationships in life, getting through all this stuff. At the end of the day, your intention is so important. And, and everybody who wants to uh, get to the top and be like, oh, I got this one notice. Now I can do it all. It's what your intention is behind it. And, or, oh, you know, I don't believe in this, or I believe in whatever's happening, but it's what, what intention do you bring out into the world? Um, but it all, as you said, it always starts within. And I think that what's interesting and what is helpful for hopefully a lot of your viewers, you know, people listening on my end is that we need to know how to tap into that just flow. And I, as you said, so many of us are in our head all the time. And I think it's important for people who listen that, yeah, training, everybody trains to some extent. I mean, that you say you're a trainer or a coach, immediately everyone's like, oh, I have this, I have that. What would you suggest? Because they realize oh, I'm with someone who can hopefully help me, right? So I, I think that getting deeper into the just flow is going to help a lot more people than they realize. And it's not about necessarily having to go write a legal document. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go do hours of research. All right, as you said, let's just put concentration on self, be in a moment, whatever that moment is. And I, and I'm with you. I, I one thing that I do, and maybe um, you can, you do something like this is that I get so many people who come in like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I always say like, all right, where do you feel it? What do you mean? Where do you, where do you feel this move? I don't know. Where are you? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, where's your head? And they're like, well, I'm, 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 you're doing, telling me to do this. And I'll literally just go stand in this position. Do you feel your right foot on the floor? And you'll see the eyes go up yeah. every single time. And you know, now they're concentrating. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. Cool. 
Do you feel that in your, do you feel it in your foot? Yeah, I still feel it there. Cool. Now feel it in your butt cheek or feel it in your glute. Mm. Yeah, I feel it. Now stay there. Don't move. And then what's interesting, I do this with every single client and anyone who's listening, please try this. When you sit with self, you're in the moment because now someone's saying, Hey, don't move. Feel that, feel that electricity, feel that current, feel that flow literally through the leg and you'll feel the burn. And I'll start to see people's hands start to go all over. They're like, <sighs> put the hand, I go, don't put your hand. They're like, Oh, in their hands. Like they just start to panic because they've yeah. never, I've noticed that they're not used to being that concentrated on a stress. So what we do is, is we, you know, then really putting the emphasis on the breathing and going, just breathe into it, relax. And you start to see almost like this weight get lifted off people's shoulders. And I don't know if you've had any of those experiences, I, you know, but I think that um, sounds that there's some parallels. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then also uh, later, once they've got, they're tapping into it or they're like, they're really feeling that burn, for example, and they're like starting to, you can see that. And then you just ask them something like, like what's on the other side of that burn. And then their mind for a second just goes, Ooh. it's like one of those zang, like one hand clapping questions. It's like, what's on the other side of it. And then, yeah. cause you don't know. So then the pain can go away at least momentarily. Absolutely. And then, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really important because people do, they just want to go and they want to just, they feel that they want to come. If they're not puking or um, falling over, they, they don't think they're doing it right or something. And it's kind of, it's a real um, mentality to help people to move beyond and to bring the joy to it. So one of the stories that Paul uh, tells everyone about is uh, a weight loss client that came a woman and he said, why are you here? And she says, well, my, my husband sent me here to lose weight. So straight away, he's like, well, you're not here for you. You're here for your husband. So we need to find out why you're here. Because if you don't know why you're here, so this is going back to what you brought up before with intention. Mm -hmm. And then the thing that I always bring up with people is what are we creating? So not only in any aspect of life, you want to do this, why? What is it that you're creating with your life? Is it an unconscious, oh, I'm just doing it for whatever? Like, what are you creating? So when somebody's a fitness client, for example, then it's like, what are you creating? So this lady that came to Paul, he said, well, like when was the last time you felt vibrant and joy in that? And for her, it was that roller skating. And yeah. she said, you know, it was when I was younger and he used to roller skate, he used to love it. And he said, well, what would it feel like to do that again? And she's like, her eyes light up. You know, I just love that. That'd be so good. So then from that point on, they're not concentrating on weight at all. Like she's there to lose weight essentially, but he's like, forget that. So we're going to get you rollerblading. So from that day on, no attention whatsoever is paid to weight. It's paid to getting her rollerblading, which is what she wants to create. That's the intention behind everything. So therefore, automatically, she doesn't need motivation or discipline. Like, oh, I've got to eat right or I've got to do my stretches or I've got to, because she just wants to do them because she wants to go rollerblading so much because she can already feel in her body that joy. So then that provides all of that for her. And that's what I do with people too. We decide what it is that they want to create. Then we're not focusing on their body weight or the, uh, or we'll focus on a competition if it's an athlete, but um, you know what I mean? It's like the intention and then what is it that you're creating? And that's the umbrella for everything. That's the drive. Absolutely. And it, it, what's also I find fascinating is, is, as you've said before, and I agree, is, is that we have today's society, a lot of 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds in adult bodies. Yeah. So when you do talk to people, you start to notice that a lot of their things that make their eyes light up are things that a child would like to do. And it's not wrong. It's not bad. I think it's great. Yeah, I had a situation myself with a, a lady who was older, a lot of pains, a lot of issues. And she's like, I just, 
I want to finally, she said, I want to play tennis again. And we just spent hours, I mean, hours of just, I had a tennis ball and I just have her step to the left, step to the right. And that alone changed the way she would come in. And that, and so similar to your situations in Paul's, like it's so interesting is, is when we think what, what we need to based off of the society we live in, being that it's a material world that everyone sees it just with Instagram, right? Oh, I need to look like this. I need to do these moves that everyone else is doing on Instagram. And you start to realize it's the same thing over and over again, just a different, you know, different being. And, yeah. uh, you, and most people don't look like that. Most people don't have eight hours to set up a professional camera situation and be like, oh, just me sipping coffee on the beach with my shirt off. And you know what I mean? Like, not everyone has that lifestyle. So it, I do think it's awesome when you can help people see, okay, what is it that really, you, what is it that you really want? Let's create that. Um, and with that being said, um, when you're work, working with clients and they do have social media and they do have these things in their eyes and their ears, do they come to you a lot with these uh, kind of almost contradictories at times where they're like one minute, they're like, yeah, I'm all for it. And they're like, oh, I want to look like this person. I guess, how do you, how do you navigate that with people who do maybe do that with you or friends, family? Yeah. Um, it, your signal dropped out for a sec. Did you, oh. were you basically saying that um, when people have a conflicting, like they come in with like, I've seen people on Instagram, I want to do that, but the reality is different. Like the, the yeah. true. Being that we're so saturated with what we see on social media yeah. as what the idea of a happy life or a happy body is yeah how do how do you help people navigate that once they come to you yeah cool that's a good question because <laughs> that's actually um i do a couple of different things it depends so um sometimes it just comes out as we're doing so for example um i don't know someone might come and want to like i'm not a drum teacher but they might want to come and play drums and sometimes people, they just get so excited about doing something. They don't want to be told what to do first. They don't want to be told how to hold the stick or this is the way you do your wrist or whatever. They just want to hit the drums. So I let them hit the drums. Like uh, my ex-girlfriend came over and she wanted to play. And it's like, you don't teach them what to do first. It takes the joy out. So you let them just bang on them. And then as they're banging around, they're going, I'm hitting this. Like I can't hit the drum. I'm hitting the thing. And it's like, well, maybe hold the stick like this instead. And then they do this. And then like my wrist getting sore. Well, maybe do this with your wrist instead of, so like the teaching comes that I let them make their own mistakes in fitness too. You know, they go, oh, I want to come and I want to do this. I want to do muscle ups. And it's like, all right, well, let's, sometimes I'll just let them. And then I'll let them show themselves that they're either not ready for it or I'll let them start asking questions. It's like, oh, I'm getting stuck here. Okay, well, let's work on this element of it. And that way they're always feeling because like school, you don't want to go, no, you're not doing any of that. You start in here and you're reading this first and you're not doing this till you read this next bit. And it's like, oh man, just let me do what I, you know. Yeah. So there's an element of both. So I need to usually let them be the one that realizes there's a shortcoming without me telling them. Because everyone wants, no one wants to be told what to do. I mean, some people do some some people literally come to you as a trainer, as you know, to be disciplined. You know, they want to. Oh, totally. <laughs> they, yeah. they come for. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess to get more specific with your question, uh, it depends on the person. One is I'll let them go through and try and get the Instagrammy thing, and to to get to the point where they realize that that's not actually what they want. And then I'll go, well, what is it that you really want? You know, why is it that you're really here? If you could create anything at all, what would it be? 
an analogy is that we often see, like you might see a bum in the street drinking bottles of wine out of a paper bag. And part of you goes, oh, well, let's get you, let's get you a job and let's get you cleaned up and let's do this, this and this. But it's like, is that what they really need? Or is that my ego deciding what's best for them so they can be more like me? Because realistically, what if they're just one bottle away from self-realization and you pull that away from them? So you've got to let some people have their own experience. Sometimes you have to let people have the experience of trying to be like this Instagram model and then realizing that, first of all, that's either not attainable, it's not them anyway, they never really wanted that, or that that's a really unrealistic portrayal of their life. Because personally, I've coached a lot of these people that are Instagram celebrities and whatever, and most of them are depressed or they don't shit properly or they don't like they don't have a good it's like they have so many or they take a lot of drugs recreational and um performance enhancing drugs and it's like they're what they're portraying is not in any way what their life is like as soon as that camera's off they're off crying in the corner or yeah. they're um they're uh, just yeah whatever it's just they don't have these idealistic lives that are portrayed so rather than tell people that oh you don't want that i know them they just do drugs it's kind of like crushing their I like to let people get into their own learning about stuff and come to their own conclusions. And if I'm not doing that, then I'll go the other way, which is just to say, well, look, we can get to there. You know, let's keep that in mind. But as a short-term goal, what is it that you'd like to achieve? Like if you could create something with your body, like what's something that you'd like to achieve to get to there? So I'm not dismissing that as the goal. And then usually what happens is by starting to find their own piece of what they want they end up following that anyway and then you know a few months in they're like i go well you know how are you feeling about this is this exciting you um you know like do you feel you're getting towards that and they go i don't really i don't really care about that anymore so it was like a natural progression of dropping the unrealistic expectation or not doing something for them because as they get to know themselves more they start to want to express that more and create from there and they're not trying to copy somebody else anymore oh yeah i got yeah you basically said everything i would have ever said i assumed you were going to say uh, you would start with the notice of non-consent but you know i you know i figured you, you figured it from there but uh no it's so true though man and and i think what is interesting is is talking about uh the illusions in the society we live in right is i i grew uh for not grew up but for about a year when i was 18 i lived in a modeling house i did the whole thing and and there was a lot of fit dudes like the guys you see on covers of those magazines and um it was interesting being not a big guy but just more of personality it was uh seeing the the stress from behind the scenes of what it took to do that and you know that told me right away like wow that is not a life that i would want to actually pursue um and just you would see them you know just not eating not drinking to get ready for that shoot them just like one minute you're talking to them and they're these chipper guys and then the next they just it's like they just got hit like by a truck and i and everyone says oh, i got hit by a truck but you haven't seen somebody who's gotten hit by a truck when they're holding on to rails and they're these jack dudes because they're so depleted and you're yeah. like why are you doing this they're like i gotta do it for the shoot i'm like it's like three days away man <laughs> like and they're like i just got three more days i'm like wow dude but it is interesting. It's pulling, I guess, for them, you know, it makes them happy maybe, but I, I, uh, I think yeah. for the everyday person, it's, it's, um, that's not what they're trying to really go for, you know, but you can't just tell them, Hey, look, man, I don't know if that's what you really want. Um, so I, I think that's really good. Um, and the everyday person, yeah. 
Sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, like you said, for the everyday person, that's not a, not really the thing, but if somebody comes to me and they want to do that, I'll help them do it. So if they want to, if they want to be a bodybuilder or a figure competitor, I'll still help them because if it's something that is coming from a place of creativity, I'll help them do it. And there's always elements that are like those guys you described on one hand, that's not healthy. And they're probably, you know, they might want to think about the reasons that they're doing it. But on the other hand, there is positivity to it in the fact that you have to develop a high level of discipline and going through that. Once you come out of it, you've got that under your belt. It's like I used to get up and swim six Ks every morning at 4.30 in the morning before I'd even have breakfast. And by the time you get into your day, you've done more in your day than most people are going to achieve in that entire day. And it's like nothing can break you. So when you've gone through figure competitors, bodybuilding, things like that, uh, you've really achieved something that can't be taken away then. So it does have some positive aspect. And, uh, but the perception is from the public, from the average person is really different because they see these people on stage or whatever, photographs and you just go, wow, they look so strong and vibrant. I'm like, that dude could not pick up a five pound dumbbell right now. He's weak as a kitten because his hormones have just dropped through the roof. Right. To, to the point where I've had guy friends because I used to do, uh, I used to prep figure competitors and things. And, um, and then I got started to do photography and things as well at different events. And then I would say, I would message some of my mates and go, there's you know guys that like fit girls. And I'd be like, oh God, you got to come here. There's like, there's a room full of fit girls. You got to come down. And they're like, nah, cause they just think that they're not going to like them. And I'm like, no, there's, there's another room full of fit dudes. And they're not interested in any of them because half of them don't have any libido right now. Yeah. And it's like, half the people at these shows aren't interested in sex, for example, and people go, well, look at their bodies. That's so um, appealing, but it's like, the reality is that it's not. And the reality is that most of those people have no libido because of the state that they've got, the, what you have to do to get your body into that state actually depletes a lot of what brings joy and everything to a, a normal human being. So you're always looking at this balance point in the middle and then these extremes all around the outside tend to be what people gravitate towards. I want an ass that's this big. I mm -hmm. want like 0% body fat. I want this and I want that. And they're all around the extremes that don't actually bring, for example, when I was in high school and, you know, going through all the low self-esteem and the everything else, what I did, I directed that into was playing guitar. And I became, I was like the best guitar player in my high school. And people would go, oh, look at all this stuff you can do on guitar. You must get so many girls or whatever. Like boys would think that. Boys would think mm -hmm. that's impressive. Therefore, girls would like you. But I didn't even kiss a girl in high school. <laughs> it's like that's on the extreme outside. But all the guys that were at least in the middle, just like, just normal. They were the ones that were getting girls. Yeah. And all the guys that were the best athletes, the best musicians, the best everything, they were too busy being the best at what they were doing and weren't getting the girls. This is in right. high school. So it's kind of... Um, yeah, it's weird where people look at these extremes and that's where they gravitate towards not realizing that the full, the contentment, the happiness and the fulfillment is often just sitting in the balance point in the middle. However, beyond that point of perfection or the excellence or the path to it can also bring you that because it can bring you something that everyday life can't bring because you take yourself to an extreme that teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, so there's always... Like I say, there's no, there's no like right and wrong. Uh, okay. It's always how you're approaching things. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, um, as you said, a lot of people uh, find themselves wanting to be on the extreme ends um, and because maybe in their work, they're in that extreme mindset or their relationships or whatever. There's these extremes, but also, as you said before, um, 
traumas, past things that maybe that they didn't even pay attention to. They've, you know, suppressed all these things. And I think it's important um, if, you know, staying on this topic, but kind of shifting more into the body, going into uh, the autonomic nervous system, getting into fight or flight, getting into parasympathetic nervous system. And maybe if you don't mind just explaining you from how you would explain it to clients or uh, friends or anyone, and then just the importance of it, because I think more and more professionals are seeing the what connection that has to the spiritual mindset and really yep. going into those important details. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this is really important because most of what people get into training for and what most trainers give, because they're just trained in that whole personal training, bodybuilding mindset. And most, most of the personal training material comes from bodybuilding kind of uh, material. And that's basically all in the uh, sympathetic it's all go, 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 and all draining of the body. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for the average person or for somebody with a weakened constitution or who already has adrenal fatigue or who already has a certain amount of stress, that's just going to destroy them. That'll literally create a very, very unhealthy person. So it's so important to balance that. It's not bad, not, it's not bad, but it has to be balanced. If it's not balanced out, then it is bad. It'll detract and deplete. So then the opposite of working out, if you define working out, as expending your energy. So expending the energy that you have to move something outside of yourself. So either you're moving yourself through space by the expending of your own energy, or you're moving something around you like a barbell or a kettlebell or something. So then the opposite then, complementary opposite to working out is working in. And working in is instead of expending your energy, it's cultivating energy, you're bringing it in. And instead of moving something outside of yourself, you're using that energy to move things inside of yourself, whether that is blockages energetically or uh, emotions or whatever that is. Uh, so that is the yin to the yang of the yang being the go, 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 the yin being the softness and the replenishing. And they kind of are representative of the uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic being the yang, the doing, the going, the hard, and the parasympathetic being the soft, the receiving, the replenishing and um, uh, all of that side of things. So, you know, most people know of, like you said, fight, flight, freeze, that's the sympathetic and then parasympathetic being rest, digest, relax, create, all that kind of thing. So it is super important to balance these out to the point where if you're not ready to do high performance activity, then you don't do it. You might do a little bit of working in, but it's balanced by a lot, sorry, a little bit of working out but it's balanced by a whole lot of working in. So you really have to, as a, as a trainer, when you know that people are coming to you to work, they, in their mind, they're here to work out, but you kind of have a responsibility to go, well, look, this particular body is not ready to work out like that. Mm -hmm. And so you'll be doing them a disservice and yourself a disservice as you just go flog them on a bench press or something or a treadmill you've got to really look at them and say, well, look, this isn't what this person's ready for. They need a lot more of this zone exercises, which is Paul check stuff, zone exercises or working in or something more gentle to balance the body before it's ready to do that work. Main reason being in our day and age, we're constantly stressed. We have more stress in our lives than ever before in history, because even though we're not being chased by tigers or if that was ever even the case, it's like, that's a momentary thing. That's what the sympathetic nervous system is there for. It's like, holy crap, there's a tiger. I've got to react. I've got to sprint or I've got to fight. And it's like, it would last 
three minutes maybe. And then those hormones subside and the parasympathetic takes back over. But in our day and age, we've got finances, relationships, shit being sprayed on us in the sky, news at us 24 seven. We're working more than we ever did because everything's so expensive. We're not making as much money. So it's like that sympathetic. It's like we've got a tiger chasing us all of the time. So it's so important to get back into the parasympathetic most of the time. So the sympathetic is not bad because it plays a role. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't respond to stress. We wouldn't grow. We need stress to grow. But when it's out of balance, that's the issue. And that's why people's hormones get depleted, fertility drops, um, libido drops, you know, just your ability to handle stress drops. So if you take your stress load, it's just one load. It doesn't matter if it's relationship, financial, physical, mental, emotional, whatever. Your body only recognizes it as stress. It doesn't differentiate. So if you're walking into the gym with an already overfilled bucket of stress and you then go and hit the machines hard or hit the treadmill for 45 minutes dripping sweat, you're just adding to that already overfilled load because that's another stress. We might enjoy exercise, but hormonally and physiologically, it's a stress. So we need to, we need to have a look at that. We need to have a look at how much stress is in our lives. And we are, are we at the point where it's not at that breaking point because most people are over it already. So the first step is to bring that stress level down. And we do that by doing more working in and gentle exercises and tonifying training and then to get them below that point where they're not going to overtrain and overdo their stress systems. Um, is that pretty much where you were going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you're nailing it on the head. And I think uh, people would rather hear from you than from me. Um, and so, but I, but I agree with you. And I think, uh, actually, before going to that, have you experimented and done anything with HRV or anything? Uh, no, no, I saw actually that you do that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, just real quick, um, it's been around for uh, well over 20 years. Um, there's this thing called um, the HeartMath Institute. There's other places and other uh, institutions that do things, but essentially what it's, it's taking that, it's like a, you have your pulses, right? Your heartbeats, but in between there's these different readings. And those readings basically are re, uh, seeing whether you're in the sympathetic or parasympathetic state um, in a nutshell. So people, it's not heart rate, it's the variability in between those beats. So the the um, the more variability, the better, because you're in a more parasympathetic. So on a scale of zero to 100, 100 being parasympathetic, zero being straight sympathetic, it's a good marker to try to see what you can do with it. Now, I do a lot of the polar bands, um, but I also work with uh, one of my colleagues, close friend. He works at one of the hospitals and we actually use the, the, the EKGs and things like that. So we can actually see more real time and get more of that raw data in, in the moment. Um, well, not in the moment, but you get more um, and it's not as many hiccups, I guess, essentially. But what's interesting is, is I use that now a lot to see exactly what you're saying. It's like, all right, you're coming into the session, where's your HRV and say it's at 30, which is, you know, you're starting, you're really getting sympathetic. All right, we need to just breathe for three minutes. We don't start moving until you're at least over 50 or 60. Three minutes goes, they might be like, dude, I can't get over 50 or 60. I'm like, well, we're not moving down. Yeah. And, and but then my clients now understand it. So it, a lot of the people who you're like, hey, breathe during the working out, they're holding their breath. Everything's, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Because they're in their head, you're not breathing, you're not present, you're not in that just flow state mm -hmm. because you're so 
wrapped up that it's like you're not you're holding your breath that's affecting your heart rate which is ultimately affecting you to get even more sympathetic you know as you said it and so it's a good marker to start to see these different readings um to bring the people who are all analytical because as a trainer right or as a coach you get people who are like oh maybe you're spiritual this and that and you know or oh you're all scientific i'm all about one with the universe it's like okay how do we mend those worlds and that's something i've been on my journey is like yeah there's raw data like you said with powerlifting and strength and conditioning there's data you can see the science behind it but then there is something with that spiritual and learning how to breathe and move through your body and it's and i think with today's day and age as you said us being so sympathetic and we can see it we can test it we can we can look at raw data and be like yes how do we get that mending of uh, bring the two worlds together and i think more and more trainers are hopefully trying to do that but it's taking a minute for people to go, okay, what are my goals? What are, how do I create that? And then as you've brought in time and time again, like just flow, get into that state. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, as we start to go more into this, if you don't mind, I, I want to run some stuff by you just because this has been all like a revelation in my head. But one of the things I noticed is I realized is that every Thing that happens to us um, is immediately starting with a stimulus, an electric stimulus. And then what happens is we have a chemical reaction. You know what I'm saying? Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I've come to realize. And it sounds so simple, but if we're talking about cortisol, we're talking about your adrenal glands, we're talking about parasympathetic, what are those? Those are chemical responses that are taking place from an electric stimulus. Yep. So if we're talking about being in a just flow, getting into that mindset, it's like, so I can, based off these stimuluses, I can determine most of the time what my chemical reaction is. If I know how to respond to that stimulus, like you said with the tiger, yes, you need that adrenaline in that quick moment. Imagine somebody who's, you know, loopy on drugs this and that they might not have that same response right or um somebody who is having a big meal and they're always stressed like you're not digesting that very well man and uh you know with the world we live in no wonder everyone has so many irritable syndrome gall issues uh, you know then they don't realize oh man i got um i can't you know i have um ulcers all the time it's like dude it's connected it's more connected than you realize so would you have, or can you add on to that maybe in your own experiences and how you literally how you approach stress as stimulus was called any stimulus your thought is a stimulus right a memory is a stimulus um tangible things are stimuluses um can you go in more into that and how you might coach people how to take those stimuluses and maybe not have such an extreme response or anything like that does that make sense yeah, definitely. I mean, you're totally right. It is, everything's a chemical reaction in the body. Every response is a chemical reaction to a stimulus. As far as the degree to which that affects somebody, I think um, the only quick way is to learn how to observe what's going on. So rather than being in that and a subject to it, to become an observer of it. I think that's the fastest way to bring any reactions down because it immediately, it immediately drops it. Um, that's just more of a meditative skill i think than anything else is to just learn to observe yourself and to observe the emotion or the reaction 
And then to get to the stage where you're not as reactive, you're more, you're more active or proactive rather than reacting to everything around that way. You know, when I was involved in a lot of the uh, personal development kind of stuff, when I was involved in business and athletics in my early twenties, there was an expression to be the, uh, the barometer, not the thermometer, like a thermometer goes up and down, but a barometer just sits at where you want it to sit. And then it's kind of, that's just a mindset. I think that could help somebody in regards to like you determine how you act or you determine how you are through the day. So then when things happen around you, you're not just reacting to it. You know, I'm, I'm calm. And then somebody beeps their horn and now I'm, now I'm so stressed. I can't handle it. <laughs> you don't have to be. It's just, you can choose how you react to that. You can't choose how you react. Well, you can, you actually can choose how you react to it being faced with a tiger because you can choose, you can actually choose in that moment. You'll be a bit more heightened in your awareness, but you don't have to get to the stage of freaking out. It's like um, if you and I are involved in a car crash, uh, one of us might think it's the worst thing in the world and be in shock. And the other might think it's hilarious. And we can't right. wait to tell our mates or take some photos while we're look at the wreck on me. And it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it can be a choice. It's some of it's learned, but it's definitely, you can choose how you react to things. So I think it's becoming very much mastering your own self is what your question is yes. kind of leading to. It's that self mastery, because if you're always, if you are just, you know, you blow whatever way the, the breeze is blowing. You're not really, you haven't really mastered yourself. The paradox to that is that that's what a Zen monk would be is flowing in the breeze. But then it doesn't matter if the breeze blows that way or that way, they're still the same. But yeah. most people in our society, he is happy, he is sad. He is irate and he is in tears. He is like joyful and he is apathetic. So um, whereas, yeah, so it's kind of like different levels to that as well. But it, it does, I think, come down to self-mastery deciding how you are in any moment and not letting other people decide or events decide. So an example of that is, so that flow state to move into that. So when I was, uh, I didn't really learn about spirituality, kind of all was just through my own experience. But one of the guys I spoke to a long time ago, he said that his teacher would just pick a point in the world, anywhere in the world, and his students had to be there at that specific time. And that was it. There was no other question. It's like, there's no, it's not like, oh, I can't, that's inconvenient or I don't have the money to get on a plane. It's like, no, no, those aren't excuses. This, you're either here or you're out of the, you're out. And if you're a minute late, you're out. You know, it's like, there was no ifs, buts or maybes. And to the point where if you were like going to go and you're going to get in your car to drive to the airport and you get to your car and then the car's gone, it's been stolen. Instead of being like upset or angry, it's like, okay, well, that's what I was doing. Now I'll do this instead. I, like, I did plan to drive the car. Now I'm going to catch a bus. And there's no emotional reaction. It's just, you're now doing something different and different isn't better or worse. And then, um, then you could go to get on the bus. And for some reason, it doesn't feel right. You paid your $25 or something to get on the bus. But if something about the bus doesn't feel right, you just don't get on it because you don't know where the flow is actually taking you. Like your mind decides that I'm going to get on the bus. So I can get here at 550 and then that's your mind, but the flow might have a different thing altogether. And then by not getting on the bus, the next thing that pulls up is some limo with like, who's that dude from Spotswood or someone from Team America <laughs> pulls up in a limo. Oh yeah, Spy <laughs> you seen a man eat his own head? <laughs> so you yeah. haven't seen everything. <laughs> but you just never know. It's like some flying limousine might pull up next with someone in it. And it's like, now you're having that experience. And that's where that flow was taking you. The bus was just the mundane, what your mind decided. 
I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but it's basically, um, it's basically that flow thing is just not being, not being so reactive to things around you and trusting in like a higher thing. When you can trust in that, then you don't have these such violent reactions to things and your stress meters going off the, off the chart. You can very easily live a very resonant and calm life when you start to get more into that. Yeah. And I think one of the, not one of the biggest thing is breathing your breath, understanding the, the, just the overall power of your own breathing. And with everything going on, one of the biggest things that I had to, one of the reasons I had to stop my job is like, I can't do my job at this place respectfully um, because you're, you're, you are asking me to do something that it goes against everything that I do with my job. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and it's not, and it's not to be not disrespectful by any means to the place they're just doing their job. But for me at a deeper level, it's like how hip, the hypocrisy of my own, how I coach, how I try to help people in helping them connect with that. And it's like, you know, so, and it's, it's a hard thing. So some people who, um, who also just already have a hard time learning how to find their breath as it is. I mean, I can't, you've probably seen it. How many people when they breathe Yeah. or I'll say, Hey man, I just want you to breathe for two minutes. And they're like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, just, just breathe. They're like, like loud. I'm like, just breathe, man. It's like, it's, it's so foreign to them because no one's ever just asked them to breathe. And as yeah. you were saying with the, with the, the limousine and the, the bus and your car, it's so interesting is, is when you see people are stressed out, they go, Hey man, just breathe, just breathe why do we say these things? We see all these words and we have these phrases, then I don't think we realize the power of why we say them. Mm-hmm. And that is one of them is talking about breathing, just breathe. And what it's doing is we both agree is, is it's putting you in that flow state. It's putting you in that higher power, that spiritual realm where you are having a connection. You're so in the moment that from my point of view, you're no longer the personality, Tom, because you're not thinking about, Oh, am I doing this right? Is this stupid? Oh, how do I look? Oh, I should just stop. Or oh, I'm, you know, I'm crushing, you know, yeah. you know big bear, a big bear shout out crushing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it is one of those things where you start to witness over and over again, when people can really find that, that breath, that they are finally connecting to the present. Yeah. And it's such a foreign thing for someone that doesn't get it. It's like, it literally is like learning a new language. They're like, what did I just do? <laughs> and you're like, you, you were in it and that was it. Yeah. Why was that so easy? That's the one thing I hear over it. That felt easy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you weren't overthinking it. You allowed your body, you allowed your, your, your field to just move, man. Um, yeah. and I, and I don't know if you get a lot of those holy cow moments with your clients. Um, do do you i guess the question yeah, or- yeah, yeah and everybody's experienced that that is that grace that is it's like well that was easy like just but it was fleeting and then they don't know how they get back to it and they don't realize that that was the state that they dropped into where everything is easy um that that is that flow state and there are definitely ways you can you can get into it same way there's ways you can purposely do lucid dreaming or purposely you know astral travel or whatever else it's like there's ways to do that uh and most of it does come from the breath because like you were saying with the with the rhythms of the heart they're very synced in with the breath they're like they they're totally connected mm-hmm. so you can change that heart rhythm 
and the rate of the heart and everything else based on the breath. And the breath is very connected to the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic is usually very shallow and sharp mm -hmm. and the parasympathetic is deep and long. It's like the way, everything's all connected like that in the physiology. So one of the ways you can definitely get into the flow state is to uh, really become connected to the breath. And like that, you know, the shirt that just flow, the other one that it's not printed yet, but I've wanted to do it for years is the other expression I use is life in every breath. It's mm -hmm. like a thing, if you say to yourself, a life in every breath, and it's a reminder, it's like, well, to feel life in every breath, to really feel it, then you can't not be present. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I use it because for me, that snaps me more to that flow state. Because I'm like, wow, life in every breath. And then you actually start to feel life in your body as part of the breath. And then it's connected to this and connected to that. And then you become connected to everything and lose your body, your sense of just self. Then you are connected into this, this flow that's all around. So for me, that's how I get into it. Uh, for other people, it's different triggers or different whatever, but it's always breath related for most people. Yeah, no, one of the things similar to yours that I, I've only told myself is, uh, you know, when you say, where do you live? I always tell I did myself, I go, I live where I am now. Obviously I have a place where I sleep, my family, we, 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 we rest there. But when someone says, where do you live? I'm living right now. When I walk, I tell clients, I go, you own the soil beneath your feet. Whatever you're pushing into, if you're breathing into it, you're living in that. And that's what you have. And then no one else has that. And I think that's one of the things that, I, similar to you, it just, it, people, it starts to resonate. You're like, oh, when I say, oh, where do you live? It's like, well, I sleep here or I do this there, but I'm, I'm living here right now with you in this moment. You know what I mean? And I think that's hard for sometimes people wrap their mind, but when they get it, it's like, oh yeah, I have more control over what's happening in this moment than I realize it, with the breath. And that is just kind of brings it all back. Um, and that's something I even do with clients is, is uh, we look at the parasympathetic, sympathetic, and we go, the point is not to stay always sympathetic, not to stay sympathetic, um, parasympathetic, sympathetic. It's going, when we add a stress, we add this stimulus, how low can we get in that sympathetic, staying in that, that, present moment staying in our control and then when we're done how quickly can we get back to that that nice balance of sympathetic and that's the key as you said it is balance and we make things way more complicated than they need to it's just balance yeah uh, and in the breath is, is so powerful and i just i think it's uh funny how we lose sight of that um in today's age yeah, we do. Absolutely. We're, we're constantly brought away from it because we're constantly living in um, on a, swinging on pendulums and um, sliding on scales as opposed to just sitting in that middle point, which is the point of power. It's the most powerful thing. And it's the most rewarding thing too. Uh, as, in the, as in just feeling like completely content, it's right in that middle point. So um, yeah, it's, there's a lot people can do for that. And you can get to it through a number of different ways too. You can get to it through breath and meditation you can get to it through exercise. You can get to it through art and creative pursuits. And one of the things that I like to do actually, since I got out of training, so uh, in such a focused way in athletics is to have creativity be part of my exercise and movement. So um, rather than doing things really rigidly, I'll do things a lot more free flowingly so that uh, I don't necessarily stick to the same rep set schemes as I would if I was training for a purpose. I have to jump as high as possible or be as fast as possible or as strong as possible. I don't need to do that anymore. So I'm a lot more creative. So um, like Paul does, instead of doing deadlifts, I might just do rock stacks with heavy rocks. So I'm building 
um, and building your rock stacks, which is super fun to make because you have you have to be really present with that because you let one of those rocks that weighs 80 kilos or 100 kilos, if that slips, your foot's gone or you, you'll kill you if it falls over onto you. Yeah. So you've got to be super <laughs> present. But you're creating something. It's an art. Like you're really creating something different each time. Um, or I'll just set a few things out and then I'll go, I'll do some kettlebell stuff. Then I'll, uh, I'll do some working in and I'll do breathing squats for a bit. Actually, just as a quick point, for people that find that stuff boring, it's like, no, I just want to do squats. Or I just want to do deadlifts. So these, you can do any exercise, but make it working in because yeah. working in is actually just syncing your movement with your breath. So I'll give you, how much can you see of me? Because yeah. even if you're in a wheelchair, you can work in if you're a paraplegic and the only thing you can move is your hands. You can work in like this. The breath comes in. And then what happens is, oh, hang on, I'll do it again. It doesn't look like this. So what I did then is my breath stopped before my movement did. I want my breath and my movement to stop at the exact same point. <laughs> same point. There, they finish at exactly the same point. Then you're unified. It's not like my breast or I move and I'm still breathing, but I'm at my end range of motion. So as long as you sync your breath with your movement and it's done slow enough that you don't increase your heart rate, you can do deadlifts, squats, you can push, you can pull, you can do any movement if it's done in that with that principle and you're working in and you're activating the parasympathetic. So what I'll do is during a, like if I'm doing some movement, I'll do that. Then I'll do a bit of working and then I might do some crawling. I might crawl to the next thing, which is a kettlebell. Then I'll throw that around for a bit and I'm just having fun. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm going to do 20. I'll do like 11 and I'm like, oh, that feels good. And I'll throw that on the ground and then I'll like crawl backwards to the next thing. I'm like, oh, I feel like squatting. I just feel like I feel into what I'm doing. So it's less head stuff. And because I'm exercising my body, I want to be in my body and not in my head. So it's fun it's creative and it's joyful. And I also am very aware of my body because my head isn't driving it. My head isn't like, no, no, you haven't done 20. You haven't done eight sets of this because my body's feeling it. So then my body knows when it's done enough. My body knows when it's going to tip into that point of being like, no, no, you're pushing your uh, recovery here. You're not going to recover from that. And so I'll finish feeling good. And uh, my boxing trainer, when I was 16, used to say that, because he'd see me training because I used to be trained really, really hard. Like I had a lot to get out mm -hmm. and I'd always just be ferocious and everything. And he'd always look at me and he just goes, he goes, you're going too hard. He says, you, you gotta, you're not, you're not doing this intelligently. And he'd always say, he said, you need to feel here. You need to leave your session feeling like you can still do more. That's how you need to leave. That's how a professional trains. And you see a lot of these people who are trainers, in the parks and things, just literally they they take on the role of a military boot camp, a millet like a you know, a Navy SEAL, and it's like, but I know Navy SEALs, and that's not how they trained. They're not like there's no one actually there yelling at them, do another one, do it, get up the stairs, pick that up, get yeah. down, dude. They don't do that. They do that in the movies, but that's not the actual reality of military training. But these people who are personal trainers that they get they get off on that yelling it, and their client gets off on that too. Like I said. Some people want to be disciplined like that. But at the end of the day, they do that for a short time. They get injured. Then they go to a holistic practitioner who then has to work on their injuries and their um, overtraining state before they can. It's kind of like a, you know what I mean? You know it. Okay. So. 100%. But I think it's important for people listening because, as we said earlier in the beginning, um, with all these things happening, people go, what do I do? How do I get through this? And I think it's vital 
to just help people go, look, the world's going to happen around you, but what do you have in your moment? What do you have in your now? And yeah. that's present. And that's the just flow. And that's beautiful. It, and it's so simple when you understand it, but being able to um, put it into application, it can be very challenging for people. Uh, but I do, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And there's so much more I would love to talk about another time, but you know, I, I don't want to keep you anymore, but um, if there's any last things you can say to the people listening in regards to just getting it started, I know you brought a lot of things into the conversation, but what's something you can just give people to leave with and just like, if I can give you anything in regards to being present. What okay. would sure. Uh, see if I can make this succinct. So um, I think it always, it's coming back down to what are, you cre- what are you creating? Because I know what it's like to get into, when I got back into exercise, it was because I didn't want the body I had anymore because I'd just got, gone too far with that. And I see a lot of people getting into hiring a trainer or getting into programs for that for those reasons. So it's running away from something. Whereas I would just would, would encourage people to, and if I could go back and do it again, it'd be rather than running away from something, it would be to move towards something that's very positive. Because uh, one thing that I, I started writing another book and I just kind of shelved it, but one of the quotes I put in it was that you weren't given a body to judge. You were given a body to create with or to do God's work or how you want to put that. Mm. It's like, what are you using it for? It's got to be something joyful and creative. And when you are in that state of joy and creativity, it's like pure creativity only exists without stress. You can't be highly stressed and highly creative. Likewise, you can't be highly creative and also highly stressed. So I'd like to encourage people to get into that state of presence and that flow state, it's all about joy and creativity and to move into what you want to create and not be, you know, it's not a race and it's not like a comparison to others. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that you can do when you're moving your body? What are you expressing? And Bruce Lee used to say that too. It's like the art of expressing the human body. That was what drove him. It wasn't just to become the best martial artist or the fastest kicker or a puncher or whatever. It was an expression. It was art. It was art expressing through the human body. And so when, you know, when I work with people, for example, that's what I want to know in them. What is it that they want to express and create? And so then it just becomes joyful and it becomes meditative and it becomes something that they are doing to better themselves and to hopefully a better, to be a better service in the world. So if you've got a better functioning body, you're a better service to the world in most cases. So that's kind of where I would, yeah, something I could leave people with. I think it's great, man. And it's, it's 100% true that when you focus on yourself and work on yourself and being present with yourself, you really are helping the changing of frequency around you. And we can go on that another time, but I, I, I love it, man. I appreciate your time, dude. And, uh, you know, uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, yeah, well, uh, they've got a new site that's almost ready. It's pombarnet.tv. At the moment, it's a landing page and you can just uh, join up on the mailing list. And then that, when that's ready, you'll get uh, get a notification. Yeah, but I'm definitely happy to come on again. It's uh, If you want to do another one, we can handle other topics. Yeah, man, I, w- I would love it, dude. Thank you so much for your time, Tom. I really appreciate it. Cool. You're welcome. Thanks, Patrick. Awesome. All right. Well-